What's up, everybody? Welcome into this week's episode of From Here It's Potable. Um, we got some baseball to talk about with Hunter, uh, and then uh, some more transfer versus high school edition stuff, which seems like we've talked about a lot, but it's just it's just something that keeps coming up. So we got a few more, maybe a few more insights and um, to add. But anyway, let's get started. Hey, before we get to the podcast, uh, I just want to do make sure I shout out our sponsor, uh, Prime Residential Mortgage Incorporated. Um, They're the Lending with Passion division of Primary Residential Mortgage Inc. Uh, whether you're buying, refinancing, or taking cash out of your home, PRMI can help. Rates are still near all-time lows, and our mortgage experts uh, can help find the best mortgage solution for you. Uh, they can help you with purchasing your dream home, an investment property, a vacation home, whatever you need, they can help you with. Um, they have locations all over the state of Texas, but they complete the entire process uh, online and it's easy um, and, and they just love working with fellow Red Raiders. Um, they can be reached at Raider at primeres.com through the website uh, at www.lendingwithpassion.com or by phone at 214-736-9466. Uh, so get in touch with them for, for any of your needs for anything like that. All right, Hunter, what's going on? Not much. Getting ready for a regional, right? Yeah, Excited that's what, about it. Yeah, that's what, when I texted you to see what you wanted to talk about, that's what – we don't do a lot of baseball talk, but no, you, we said don't. You, were, you said you were ready for it, so I'll just let you go. Yeah, well, I think we got a super favorable draw. And so, you know, I don't – surely you know about the format of the baseball tournament right <laughs> i yeah. do know so, i'm familiar okay. barely yeah. so the yeah the opening weekend's a four-team regional right and double elimination but it's really the first it's really single elimination for the first game you know if you lose the first one i think i guess you got to win four straight after that your your pitching is just done right yeah super tough to do um so the uh, first game is just really obviously really really important um so we get army who um you know I don't think because they're a service academy that they were able to take advantage of any COVID seniors, you know, mm-hmm. or, or any kind of super se- people, guys coming back. I think it's just four years. I don't think you can redshirt there. And I'm, but, um, but still I, I went and looked like five or six of their position players um, were on the team two years ago when we played them. So it's, so it's not like they're just a completely, you know, new team. Um, but relative to some of the other number one national seeds or, or other teams that are hosting a regional, I mean, we just got a really good break. We're a 20 to one favorite. To, I was going to win. I was going to ask what made you say that because I've seen a few people say that it's a tough regional. And I don't know if that's just because of like, you know, what people think about UCLA and North Carolina traditionally and like that's not true this year type of deal. Like, are they just like typically good? Or big names. Yeah. yeah, I think North Carolina is definitely down for 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 them. I think they're they're really hurt. That um, 
I think their coach said they've got a, a great number one starter. His name's Austin Love. He's like, he can go, he can throw like 130 pitches per outing. And he was like, I was looking at some stuff. He was throwing like 97, 120th pitch, you know, into the seventh inning. Uh, you were gonna say, I thought you were going to say he can throw like 130 miles an hour. And I was like, I yeah, don't no. know a lot about baseball, but I don't <laughs> think that's correct. <laughs> he's got, he's got a kind of a weird arm slot. It's hard to describe. It's not like sidearm or anything, but he, um, it almost looks like he's short arming it, but he's, he's not. But um, so they've got him. And then after that, I, they, I don't think they have a starter beyond their first guy their coach said uh yesterday that they throw him first and then after that it would be like two innings two innings two innings one inning. like they would just johnny all staff you know mm. nothing but short uh outings from guys the rest of the way and maybe like the same guys every day um so uh kind of rooting for them to win you know that first game uh ucla is they're good i mean they've got uh some 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 good pitchers, the same guys that have been their weekend starters for a couple of years now. And it looks like, so they have a guy who's like theoretically their ace. He's been their Friday night guy. His name is Zach Petway. Um, but he is not going to start the first game. And I think he's kind of somewhat interchangeable with their Saturday guy. So it's not a huge deal, but um, he's this uh, Petway. So if we win and UCLA wins, that's who we're going to see. Uh, he's, he's kind of hit or miss. Like he's been a, rocked a couple times recently um like just blown like knocked out in the second inning and it's kind of how this year um it's gone for him like he either goes six or seven innings throws really well or gets knocked out pretty quick um, but that'll be an interesting matchup because i'm i don't know who we're gonna throw uh, but yeah so back because yeah, back to army you know we're 20 we're a 20 to 1 favorite so we we've got a, like a 90 some percent chance of winning we feel pretty strongly uh, and you compare that to some of the other four seeds we could have played, um, like TCU, for example, is playing McNeese, and McNeese has a, a lefty who's really, really good. You know, some, you run into some of these four seeds, and they might have some guy yeah, on the mound. It just takes and one. Yeah, and they're just about as good as anybody on that one night. Um, like Tennessee is a national seed. They're higher than us. They're barely favored over Wright State. You know, Wright State's just good. Um, like Notre Dame is hosting a regional. They're playing a central Michigan and they've got a really good starter. Um, they're barely favored. Um, like Ole Miss, they're playing Southeast Missouri state. They've got a guy grand Canyon has a guy, you know, they're playing Arizona. Uh, so we, we avoided that and could have easily had grand Canyon, you know, uh, and like all those guys would probably be our ace <laughs> like on our team. But, uh, so catching up right there, um, and then we're also not uh, – we wouldn't play an SEC or Big 12 team, you know, until we got to Omaha, which – so I, I think it's like the most favorable draw you could really ask for. You know, we're a national seed. We're going to play at home throughout if we, if we advance. We don't play an SEC or Big 12 team, and we got a really easy draw for, for game one. So, yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic about that. Yeah, I went and looked um, the, two years ago our regional, you know, we're playing army game one. We throw Micah Dallas and we close it out with Ryan Sublette. So it's like arguably our two best pitchers on this team mm -hmm. is who closed out game one. And like, you know, game three, two years ago, we're throwing Bryce Bonin, who's just a stud and closing the game out with big John McMillan. You know, I mean, our pitching was just 
ridiculous. A little different. A little different yeah. this year. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like it seems like that's maybe how things work out. You know, like this team has had adversity with injuries, and they're just not. You know, they don't have the arms that uh, some of our at least the last two years had, and maybe they would have if you know some of these guys wouldn't have got hurt. But uh, it's just like karma, or I don't know. It seems like this is the year where you can kind of make a deep run, like when you're just not expecting it. Uh, whereas maybe our best team ever, you know, loses in a regional to Sam Houston. And that's just like kind of how things work out. Yeah. But it, it, we're certainly catching like the breaks, you know, necessary to, to go pretty deep and which would be kind of cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, the first game though, for um, North Carolina and UCLA, I think, will be really interesting because um, UCLA better show up. I mean, because North Carolina has that one guy, um, and, I, and I'll be rooting for North Carolina. You know, if we can win our first one and they win, we're, we're going to be in pretty good shape because you know, going 2-0 and is – especially when you're hosting. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like a lock uh, from that point. So, pretty excited. I don't – how Tadlock handles – you know, the, the rotation will be interesting because he, he's pretty uh, he, kind of standard, like doesn't matter who we play. Um, game one, we throw our, our number one. Or, and, he, and he's always kind of maybe thrown, thrown his best guy on Saturday. Maybe like remember when we had Gingery, those first teams, you know, he was a Saturday guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've always, it's not like our number two guy was a big drop-off. So it wasn't like a uh, something weird we were doing, throwing our – uh, you know, mix matching our, our starters, but um, it, I bet he just sticks to the script, you know, and throws just like any other weekend. Uh, so it would be Monteverdi Friday, Dallas Saturday, and then uh, Montgomery on Sunday. So when, like, I didn't think about the fact that, like you said, we're not going to play an SEC or ACC team, you know, and, Big 12 or sorry. Yes. Big 12 team until Omaha. Um, I didn't even consider that looking at the bracket. Cause who are we matched up? Or which bracket or which regional again? Uh, Stanford. Yes. Stanford. I knew it was somewhere out West. Um, and so do you expect Stanford to win that one? Let me pull up my numbers. So I thought it was interesting. Um, you know, there's one, I don't know if you, if you kind of a betting tip maybe, uh, but there's a, a sports book called Circa. C-I-R-C-A, mm-hmm. and they have a free app. You can just download it. It's the Circa Colorado app. That is the, it's probably the best sports book right now. And it, just in terms of having like odds and numbers that reflect like a true market, you know, there's um, like money on both sides. Um, it, it's like a, a it has predictive value, you know, because people are actually betting into it. It's not like, uh, you know, we'll see on the on our message boards like people saying, "Text over under at DraftKings is four and a half," and or the Big Twelve championship odds are this. Well, yeah, th- those books are like small time. They they don't they only take you know action from like recreational betters, and it's not very. Their numbers aren't good because they don't have they don't let people who have a pulse or a brain bet there. Um, but that's kind of a tangent. Um, and so, uh, wh- where was the question? I don't even remember. Uh, 
What do you what do you think about that Stanford regional? Yeah, yeah, okay. So, so yeah, I brought up Circa. So I thought it was interesting that Circa's number. You know, they have UCLA as a has a has having a higher chance of of winning than Stanford, which is kind of concerning. Um, you know that the two seed in our bracket is predicted to go farther than the one seed in the regional we're paired with. But I haven't really looked at. Um, I don't know a whole whole lot about Stanford, but I've got them. As let's see if I can find, I've got them as a 65% chance of advancing out of their regional. They've got North Dakota State, uh, Nevada, and UC Irvine. And UC Irvine has apparently like one pretty good pitcher. And uh, but that's not a like a stacked regional by any means. I mean, we got a good draw. We we really did. I mean, there, there's literally there's so there's three Power Five teams total. You know. Of course, two of them in our region. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it could have been way worse. Like, you look at uh, – like, UT is kind of interesting. They have an they have a easy – they got a good draw in, in their regional. They play Southern, so that's kind of like the equivalent of Army for us. Yeah. And then they've got Fairfield as their uh, three seed. And then Arizona State. So, they've got an easy regional, but they're – the one they're paired with is, like, it's pretty stacked. It's Florida and Miami. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. even like South Alabama, but like Florida, there's, there's only a couple teams that might have better like weekend starters than Texas and Florida is one of them. So that's, um, that's not ideal. Um, and then like uh, yeah, TCU, you know, like I said, TCU, uh, they've got McNeese. So they've got a tough game. Then Dallas Baptist, which is just like the scrappiest yeah. three seed. You know, they're always just a pain. Yes. Um, I mean, that's an experience. Right. Yeah. And so, like, you know, DC, they're a higher uh, national seed than us. Um, yeah, I'd rather be in our regional than, than theirs. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I was, I, like, I mean, I'm, it's no secret. I don't super keep up with baseball like we've talked about, but are any of the, I know we've, the team has had a ton of injuries. Like, have they, or would any, are any of them going to be back for the regional? Or is there any rumor of that, or do you know? The teams were playing? Or, no, oh, for, for us. For, for us. Yeah. No, I doubt it. So, like, um, a couple weeks ago, this was after the Texas series, uh, it was in his coach's show, like, Tadley just slipped it in that um, Austin Becker, who's, like, you know, one of our big weekend – who would be one of our weekend starters, yeah. um, was – I think his exact words were, he is on a throwing program now that could get him throwing off a mound – by the Big 12 tournament, but I but I never heard anything else, and he didn't throw in the Big 12 tournament, and so maybe you know it wouldn't because that would have been like a really optimistic kind of recovery for him. So I don't know. Maybe the the one um, is uh, oh man, Kurt Wilson. You know, I think he hurt his hand or something. Uh, maybe he could pitch. I'm not. Yeah, he might be. He might, he might come back, um, but I don't think anyone else that's been hurt for us. You know, that, that seems to be the thing that I kept seeing about the baseball team just throughout the spring was this guy's hurt. <laughs> Another guy's hurt. <laughs> oh yeah. This yeah. guy too. <laughs> like it just seemed every week it was somebody new. Yeah. It really is something that we're in the position we're in. Well, <laughs> that's what's. And I guess that's why people keep, I've just seen it several times that like, this is Tadlock's best coaching job, like of all the teams, just based on that. Is that why people are saying that? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And um, now maybe it is. Uh, so 
we do jace young is having a pretty good year um so he i went and looked this was as of two weeks ago and i went so this is like percentage of plate appearances that you hit a home run so it includes walks and i kept it at a minimum of 100 at bats in a season because if you if you don't john mcmillan hit a bomb and 10 percent of his at bats one year like he had 75 at bats which is ridiculous but so Jace has hit one in 8.4% of his plate appearances, which was the most of any tech guy that I could find. You know, like uh, Zach Reams, who was like a huge DH guy that just mashed it. Yeah. Um, hit 8.2%. Cam Warren, six. Orlando Garcia, five. And then like, you know, some of these names, like Josh Young, 5%. Eric Gutierrez, four. You know, Michael Davis, four. I mean, it's just, he's, it's ridiculous. And so then, I don't know, maybe like seven or eight years ago, they took the, they trimmed the seams down on the ball. And so like, there's a huge difference. Like before that, like pitchers were kind of dominating. Uh, And then they, once they lowered the seams, I think people could hit a little bit better. So like since from that point on, only one guy um, had a higher slugging percentage than, than young in big 12 play. It was uh, Cody Clements. So it's like eight seasons. You know, he's like second best. He's just knocking the crap out of it. And for a second baseman, which is even more impressive. Like normally, yeah, you know, Tadlock does that. It's kind of his, he likes to put a a big bat at second if he can. That's what I was just thinking. I mean, Klein before. Michael Davis. And then, yeah, Michael Davis, they both, I remember that they could both could hit. And they, yeah, those are the only two I can remember, but. Yeah, well, Klein was there for like 12 years. Yeah, that, I just remember the crosses on his under his eyes uh, with the eye black. Uh, so what, what are your expectations? Like, do you think – would it be disappointing if we don't win this regional, I guess, is the question? It'll be – I think it'll um, – yeah, I hate to say that because we could easily lose the second game. Yeah. You know, it's, it will be disappointing if we lose the first game, you know, obviously – Super disappointing, and then I think it would be disappointing if we started out two and zero and lost, which yeah. I, which we may have done to Sam Houston. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've got us as a sixty percent chance of winning our regional, and then a um, a thirty four percent chance of going to Omaha, which is pretty high. I mean, I've, I've only only UT, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and Arkansas with higher chances of going to Omaha and that's and I don't think we're the you know fifth best team in the country at all but it's like it's like I was saying it's our path we have you know we caught we caught some breaks yeah no that that makes sense um anything else on baseball no I don't think so unless something comes to me right yeah yeah and I guess we'll 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 be back on before I guess maybe not before the, we'll have to see. We'll have to see how the regional goes. But um, one thing that came up on the site again today was talk of transfers in football, recruiting transfers versus high school guys. Um, you know, and there was talk of, are we sacri- or basically it almost seems like it's one or the other. You're sacrificing your high school recruiting by taking all of these transfers that we've taken. Um, and one thing that I know me and you have talked about uh, on this podcast and just texts and stuff is a lot of our high school classes with, within this 
five-year period have been awful. <laughs> like we just haven't gotten any production out of them. And so that's something that I was- 10-year period. Huh? 10-year period. 10-year period. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like you get to by the time they should be juniors and seniors and there's like two left, you know? And to I mean, if you just look at the track record from transfers in that 10-year period to high school recruits, like I don't think it's as big of a gap as people are letting on. I agree. In terms of production. Yeah. And we, I feel like we, we have talked about this a ton, but you, you know, um, I think you said it that, um, you know, these, we, we aren't passing on high school guys that we really, really want and think can step in and play day one right away. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's not the debate. It's not, it's not, should we take a transfer over Jack Anderson or Brandon Jackson or, um, as a comma, you know, so, so I think some people kind of construe it that way, that we are, you know, we're electing to take a transfer over some guy who's just a surefire, no doubter. And, um, yeah, yeah I mean, you're right. You know, it's the, the debate is about your last, you know, 10 spots or so of your class. And if we have been reaching for those spots, which we seemingly have for the last 10 years, and the results have been really, really poor, you know, it's not going to be that hard to outperform how those, re- those 10 high school reaches. Right. And like, you know, you take a guy and maybe you're expecting him to register or sit at sit and kind of um, maybe be a scout team guy and, and contribute in one or two years, or, you know, you take a transfer who plays one or two years right away. I mean, right. you're on, it's, so it's, it's, you, you, there's not a huge difference there either. Uh, and I get, and you, I guess it's important to look because I think a lot of people are conditioned to think of JUCO transfers because for the longest time, that's what the majority of you know college football additions were, not from high school. But when you look at like what Wells is doing, it seems like almost every guy that we bring in has multiple years left. Like, I mean, I know that Geiger, the receiver we just brought in, doesn't, and maybe, uh, and then Waters. But it's like almost everybody else, it's like, this is not a one-year thing. You know, like Tyree Wilson last year could potentially have like four years here, you know, the same amount of time yeah. as, as a high school kid. And so I think it's it's not as black and white as people want to assume. You, I think you have to look at like each one on an individual basis. And like I was saying on the board, you, you're not like, and you said it too, you're not saying – okay, you're not having these, these, these high school studs line up to come to tech, basically. I mean, you look at the past, the only thing that'll do that is winning. And the only thing that'll help win is a good roster. You know, so it's, like, it's kind of like a, a circular argument. It's like, you got to get a good roster to attract these, to win and to, and to attract these high school players you need to win. But maybe the only reason you get that attractive roster is bringing in these transfers. So I, if we win, you know, if we have two eight game seasons, eight game, eight win seasons in a row, and we're still not taking a bunch of high school kids, then maybe there's an argument. But I just, I, I don't think, I think it's out of necessity right now. Yeah. And I think, you know, and I would argue that there are some good high school guys coming here and we're, we're signing them. It's just they're only at a few positions, <laughs> you know, yeah. skill, skill on offense. Yeah. And uh, like uh, the t- offensive lineman we flipped from TCU, Jacoby Jackson, you know, like Jaron Bradley, Baron Morton, Cameron Valdez, Mason Tharp, Jed Castles. I mean, those are studs yeah. by, by my book at least. And, 
and we are bringing them in. And it's that to me makes sense. Like those are, we absolutely should be taking high school guys that are really good, that we feel good about every single time, 25 of them a year. Right. But if you, you know, if you can only get 10, then you only get 10. And, um, and it's just, you know, so happens for us that the, unfortunately, you know, the two positions that are really important, at least in my opinion, you know, guys that can cover people and guys that can rush the quarterback. We just um, have struggled there tremendously, but, and you look at that, but you wouldn't know that by looking at a roster right now. Yeah. Cause it's well, not a pass rusher. I, I still, you know, I think we could use some pass rushers, yeah. but um, well, I quick. mean, that's a premium position that everybody wants. So, I mean, everybody probably could look at their roster and say like, man, if we had another lockdown corner, if we had another guy yeah, look at, passer, so, everybody's saying that. Right. So look at um, the one from Tulsa or multiple ones from Tulsa that we want. Yeah. You know, we're after the guy is a transfer from Tulsa. I think we're not going to get him. He's on UT's campus right now. And then he's going to go to Notre Dame. I mean, those are pretty good programs. They get whoever they want. And yet, like you're saying, who wouldn't want a lockdown corner that's right. available? Yeah. And, you know, to your point, you the one, um, you know, the, the transfers that we're taking that don't have a lot of years, it almost seems intentional. You know, like the the receiver that we just got, you know, I think Chris Levels mentioned it. You know, we, we wanted him to be a one and done because right. we didn't want to run off the high right. school guys we hit on that are still good. here. You know? right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, uh, it's it's almost like it was to our benefit to uh you know we it would have hurt us to take to have used that spot on a high school receiver right you know who who would be less likely to contribute right away which we needed someone right away yeah and would be more likely to run someone off it's like um yeah uh, but I, you know we and we've talked about it a couple times now um i i, I wonder if as this goes on and more and more and more, I, it's it's just really interesting to 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 follow how this will evolve because it's just, it seems like everyone just from the blue bloods down are taking more and more and more transfers. Yeah. The one and done variety, the ones that are um, that can come play right away, and uh, you know what will that? How will that take? What what effects will there be? Because it just seems, you know, just basic math, right? If if uh, all these programs that recruit the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex were taking 20 guys a class, and now they're taking 12, that's a lot of guys there. Some of them we probably maybe would have wanted 10 years ago but couldn't get, mm-hmm. and now maybe we, we could get them. So will we – like, will the pendulum swing for us? Because um, it, it does seem like – with certain positions, you know, we're going to need to be going against the grain somewhat from some of these other places. It, and, you know, when they're taking the high school guys, we need to be getting transfers. <laughs> and when, right. and when they move on to transfers and that's when we start poaching, you know, these pass rushers and d- developmental guys that we would have loved to have had, but never could have got. Right. And I guess that's the thing is like the state of Texas churns out a lot more receivers and running backs than they do defensive ends, offensive tackles, corner, yeah. like shut, like that's just numbers. And so it's like you said, you tech has got to figure out a way to game the system because they haven't tradition, even when we were, you know, as good as we've been, it's not like 
we were recruiting with the guys we were playing with, you know, like we, I don't think, I don't, I don't know. I've never followed recruiting, you know, like when I was in school. Uh, So I don't remember, you know, what Leach's best classes were, but I can't imagine they were. Oh, five. Yeah. I can't. Were they like, they weren't top 10. It was like top 20, top 25, but we signed like 30 something guys, you know, which you can't do anymore. Right. And a lot of the, a lot of the top ones, like the ones that, got our caused our ranking to be really high or busts or like just never showed up or weren't qualifiers. Like I remember specifically there were two safeties. Yeah. One from Lufkin uh, and then another guy named like my buddy actually played um, at blend with him and his name was like Daniel Johnson. And I asked him about him one time and he was like, yeah, he showed up and he was there through fall. And then uh, one of his buddies got shot back in Houston and he went home and never came back. You know, he was like this four-star safety, but right, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was, you know, Crabtree was in that class. Yeah. I want to say. Yeah. So, oh, yeah that, that's um, but yeah. And so that's kind of my point is like back then our gimmick or our game was Leach's system. Like that's what set us apart. That's what gave us an advantage. And so now I don't know if it's going to be a coaching thing that sets us apart on the field, but it could be a, like you said, everybody's going after transfer receivers Okay, we'll go after high school receivers now. Everybody's going after transfer offensive linemen. All right, we'll go after high school ones now. Because um, you just look at that, uh, the, the, the guy who just transferred from Marshall, he's like, he's the biggest recruit of this whole cycle, you know, and he's a one-year, I think, like a one-year offensive lineman, a guard. You know, it's, it's, just, it's just very – that's a bigger discussion. On the, like, I don't really – I'm not a big fan of all the transfer thing, but that's – different like I, I think tech i think tech's used it to, to its advantage so great it's, but and so it's i think it's another another aspect too is it's you know there's some like micro you know some some factors that are just like specific to tech that we've been talking about a long time um about that make it make us more inclined to need to use transfers you know the stuff we're saying that um if we're not getting like the high school guys you know 20 of them then we need to get transfers or if there's certain positions we struggle at, we need to get transfers there. But then there's also just the overarching, you know, like COVID, you can't evaluate the guy as much, maybe the high school guy. And then um, with the new one-time transfer rule, there's just a lot of risk, you know? So just think of the option. You you get a high school guy, he's either going to be a bust, that's bad, or he's going to be a hit. So if he's a hit, he can transfer immediately and go anywhere he wants. You know, like there is that chance of him doing that. Right. So right. play, if you, you know, the percentages like odds are he's going to be a bust, but if he's a hit, there's some, there's a little percentage there. He's going to leave. Right. And so, right. you know, you're, it even, it weakens, you know, the, the expected value of that high school recruit even more. Um, you yeah, know, we you can't evaluate it as well. They might go in, they might be a bust. They might be a hit and leave. It's just, if so when you, you look at the alternative, which is, okay, some guy who we've got, you know, a thousand snaps on tape, him producing and, uh, you know, at, at some level that we can really look at him, feel great about him, talk to these college coaches and, you know, he's, a, he's mature. We can, I mean, it's just not a, it's, it's a pretty easy decision. Well, you said something though, what, what will set us apart. And I think this year, what will set us apart is how just old, we're going to be, I mean, it's, it's humble. It's crazy. Um, you know, we've got, looks like 19 guys that are from the 
2017 or older high school class. So 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, you know, this is their fifth year removed from high school, you know, and, and maybe, I mean, that's just, that's a big number for anyone, but, yeah. but much, much less us. Yeah. Cause that goes to your, I mean, you've been putting that chart together about how we have one of the oldest defenses or the oldest in terms of snaps in power five, correct. Or one of them. I think it's the, I think it's the most snaps, you know, returning snaps uh, on a defense in the history of college football. Right. And, I, and it may be, may, it's probably the most start, returning starts too. Yeah. And now there might be some other defense out there this year who matches us. Right. That's true. But yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think anyone, I don't think it's ever come close, but it, you know, just because of the weird, you know, Colin Schooler, Marcus Waters, Marcus Fields, Rico, you know, they've all, it's like 10,000 snaps right there. Yeah. Yeah, they've they've played so much already, and then they just get this bonus year out of nowhere. Um, but I mean, I think we saw kind of the whole transfer versus high school debate play out a little bit with Jalen Polk. I mean, he showed to be a hit. I mean, he he made good plays as a freshman this season, and then out of nowhere goes to Washington. And, that was just, and it was just like he was being recruited by Washington, and he, and, he, and that's harder to do for somebody who had already transferred, you know, because they don't get that free one. So it's yeah. almost like that's another thing that goes into it is you basically have to recruit your own players if they haven't transferred yet. Exactly. Yeah. Good point. But that's another thing that just is annoying about the whole process to me. Um, but yeah, you, you said it though. Yeah. It as for as annoying as it is, it's, it can't hurt us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. like it can't because the status quo was not help was not we were not flourishing in the status quo so just turn it over just you know make it all different and and, and weird and it's like okay what you know the worst case scenario is we're in the exact same position that we were in you know yes, yes. that's so, that's exactly the thing is everyone who gets all upset about it it's like the other way hasn't worked. <laughs> so we might as well try something and and maybe it's a Wellsdale maybe that's why it doesn't work. I don't know, but and, I have a feeling we're going to get our answer. So, yeah. And so, God love the guy because I hate to dog on tech players, especially yeah. walk ons or former walk ons. Like, I have a, a rule that you know, people who go to games are with me or watch them with me. It's the number one rule is like, you can't talk crap about a walk on ever, <laughs> no matter what they do. Like, remember, saw your, remember, saw your vest when we were playing OU and uh, no, when no. we beat them. And, you know, people are like, dude, you know the rule, you know, because, <laughs> it's not a walk-on's fault that he's having to play against OU and cover NFL receivers. Yes. Right. But yes. um, anyways, like, so you know, Luke Stice plays like 20 something snaps as a fullback for U of H and yes. was like a part-time special team. He was going to fix and our defense. He comes here to tech. Thank, thank God he did because <laughs> he was the best we had, you know, and he played, he played like 80 snaps against Arizona state on defense. And so what, you know, that's not going to happen this year. I no. guarantee you no fullback from McMurray or anywhere else can come <laughs> walk on to tech and play snaps on this defense. I mean, you're going to have, you're going to have linebackers who in those years would have been your best linebacker. You're going to have those guys playing special teams only, you know, unless injuries happen. I mean, like Tyreek Matthews is a good player. 
But what is, I mean, he's like sixth on the line on the depth chart for linebackers. Yeah. I mean, that's Kosai Eldridge. Yeah. Another I mean, one. Not bad. Yeah. And it's going to be tough to get on the field. Yeah. It's totally. Different game. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Different. So like, like you said, either you can't argue with the success so far. Uh, well, I take that back. You can't argue with the roster turnover. You can't argue with the results, but the, the roster is, you can't argue that it is better than before this whole transfer deal. So it just needs to show up on the field. And I think a lot more people will be happy and they'll stop questioning it as much. But anyway, like I said, we've kind of talked this, we've talked about this a lot, but it always comes up. So we figured we'd and, talk about it again. And I go on other te- teams or I go on other message boards. I don't know why, but I do. And we're, we're not, we're not the only fan base, you know, that is talking about this a lot. Oh, it's well. just, you know, I think it's just something that everyone is grappling with. That's good. But we, we talk about it a lot, though. <laughs> well, like, we don't we, have. We being, we being tech fans. Yeah, yes. us, but also just tech fans as a whole. And I think, like I said, I think the on-field results have something to do with that. So hopefully, hopefully that changes a little bit. But all right, man. Anything else before we get out of here? I don't think so. All right. Well, we will talk to you guys later.